Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. New Zealanders spend six hours a day on the internet, on average. So this is what's happening for six hours a day on the internet. How quickly will you do this? Every 4.4 seconds. So, you open up a page. You read the top. You see the middle. You might skip down to the bottom. Next page. You see the top. You might read the first two lines. You go to the middle. You might look at next page. You see the top. 1,001. 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, click, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, click, 1,000. So what's happening is, you and I have developed an amazing skill. It's called skim reading. You and I are all experts at it. Congratulations. (laughs) And being a skim reader is not a bad thing. If you've ever been a university student, you've seen the books that you're supposed to read for a certain essay or assignment, you realize it's impossible to read those books. Even the academic has not read those books. Hands up, academics. They have not read them, but they want you to read them. So what you do as a smart student is you use a thing called the contents page or the index, or if it's a book that's electronic, use a search engine, and you write in the words that you want, and you go directly to that page, and you know what you do on that page? You skim it to see if there's any data, information, or quotes that are relevant to what you're doing. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a skill you have to have if you are a tertiary student. There is no way you can successfully complete everything you need to do without learning the skill of skim reading. And it's a good thing to have. The problem is, because we use the internet now much more than we look at books, It has become the dominant form of reading. This is a a massive transformation that's occurred in the last 20 to 30 years. Prior to 30 years ago, people read a lot of books or magazines with long stretches of text. Today, you spend 4.4 seconds a page and you don't even read that page. We skim it. So it's become the dominant form of reading. Now this becomes a real problem because it's at the expense of in-depth, concentrated reading. This is what Nicholas Carr, a very good author on the subject, had to say about this. He said, dozens of studies by psychologists, neuroscientists, educationalists, and web designers point to the same conclusion. When we go online, we enter an environment that promotes cursory reading and hurried and distracted thinking and uh, superficial reading. Ouch. You see, reading a book is vastly different. It requires sustained, undistracted concentration. But the internet is creating a brain that is addicted to distractions and is unable to concentrate. Have you found that? I have. I mean, when I mark my students' essays, I'm so addicted to distraction, I sometimes just grab all the essays, I put them in my car, and I go park at the beach, because I'm on the beautiful Whangaparoa, and I will mark those essays on the beach so I cannot be distracted, because the impulse for me to check my computer, this is terrible, I'm a 55-year-old adult, has become so strong 
Because of the hyper palatability, some of you may remember this, the excessive tastiness of the internet, and the rewiring of our brains to shallow reading, it's no wonder that Christians, like everybody else, are losing the capacity to concentrate long enough on a book. <clears throat> a survey of some 3,000 Christians found that only that 56% of women and 43% of men said they read less now because of their smartphones and social media. Wow. 58, 56% of women, 43% of men. Would you count you, yourself, within those statistics? I was hoping someone else would put their hand up. <laughs> no, we'll just pause it there. T. David Gordon put it this way. He's a Christian author. Our inability to read texts is a direct result of the presence of electronic media. The sheer pace of an electronic media-dominated culture is entirely too fast. Reading, on the other hand, is time-consuming and requires the concentration of the entire person. And what is a lot of the content we are skim-reading on the internet and wanting to look at every 4.3 minutes to spend only 4.4 seconds on before jumping somewhere else on the internet for an average of six hours a day. Well, I'm gonna tell you what mine is, and it's not pretty. Trivial. Inconsequential amusements. Trivial. Inconsequential amusements. A Northwestern University professor of communication surveyed 1,300 of his students and found that their favorite destinations were social media, with 78% saying Facebook. Only 5% of his students said a blog or forum in which politics, economics, or law was under discussion. I have it on good authority from a university in Auckland who I cannot name, having spoken, well, somebody, Anonymous spoke to the IT people to find out what the students were using on all those computers in the library. And here's what they found. It wasn't for work. It wasn't for research. Predominantly, and they look at this every month at every university in New Zealand, they discovered that it is social media, watching sports, YouTube videos, and other forms of entertainment. In other words, just about anything other than education. And of course, your beautiful tax dollars are paying for that. But... I think you can see what's going on here. If we are being honest, most of what we do, unless it's in work time, and even then it's very easy to be distracted by other things that are unwork related because of the nature of the internet. Most of the stuff is designed to keep us locked in infantile pursuits and interests of no eternal value. Infantile pursuits and interests of no eternal value. And it really is hard for me to say that because it's um, talking to me. Hip-hop artist and pastor Trip Lee said this, before we get there, our man Nicholas Carr pointed out that he said he used to be, he's an academic, he said he used to be like a deep sea diver with scuba gear on, diving into an ocean of words. But after the internet came along, he became someone like on a jet ski skimming across the surface, moving very quickly, but unaware of the glories of the depths below. 
And that's what's happened to many of us. That it can look good as we skim through the pages on the internet, but an inability to get in deep into a sea of words. What our man had to say in here, uh, Trip Lee, he said, the more time I spend reading 10 second tweets and skimming random articles online, the more it affects my attention span, weakening the intellectual muscles. I need to read scripture over long distances. Now this is a real problem because our success of our Christian life and growth is predicated on sustained concentration and reading of a book which is concerned with spiritual interests and pursuits of eternal value. Can you see the difference between what we normally spend our time with on the internet? And the Bible is about spiritual interests and pursuits of eternal value. Bible reading is incredibly demanding. It cannot be skimmed or browsed to any great purpose. You cannot get a good feed from this by merely opening it and doing a lucky dip or skimming through a few verses. It requires concentrated reading. Why would you do this? Why would you read the Bible at any great length? It's because God said that he speaks to us through the Bible. All scripture is given of inspiration of God. The Bible tells us who God is. It tells us who we are. It gives, tells us what our purpose in life is actually written in the book. Is there life after death is written in the book. How to conduct our moral lives is written in the book. How to pray is written in the book. How to prioritize our lives to count for eternity is written in the book. Let's just think of one element of our lives that we all struggle with and have great difficulty with and a knowledge of the book, a greater knowledge than we have right now could help us with. Think about temptation and sin. You say, Adam, that never affects me. It affects me on a daily basis, ladies and gentlemen, if not may, may, may possibly even an hourly basis, but I'm unaware of it. Think about Jesus, the Son of God, the living Word of God. Do you realize he used the book? On many occasions he quoted from the book. And when he was in the wilderness and Satan came to him and he was hungry, Satan said to him, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus' response was simply this. It is written. What was he saying? It's in the book. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And then Satan took him to the top of the temple and said, if he cast himself off, the angels of God, they would come and they would save him. What was Jesus' response? He said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then the devil took him up onto a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you would but bow down and worship me, I can give you all these things. And what did Jesus say? He said, away from me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone shall thou worship. What was Jesus doing here? He was modeling for us. How we should meet temptation in our flesh from demonic powers. It's the word of God. Do you feel powerless and weak? It could possibly be because, ladies and gentlemen, 
we have not applied the word of God strongly enough to our lives. We have not run into the fortress of the word, but have become distracted and weak in our mind and spirit because we are emaciated because we have not poured that word into our lives. We have not eaten the book. King David said this, and he was a man who knew something about temptation. He said, thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How then can we be called the people of the book? A people who use the internet and social media but are not enslaved by it. How can we cut down on distractions and cultivate the deep reading required to once again be acknowledged as the people of the book and the culture that we live in here in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Well, these are heart consequences. And this is where Tony Rankas says that these heart consequences land heavily. But this is where cosmic purpose meets personal discipline. We are called to suspend our chronic scrolling on the internet in order to linger over eternal truth because the Bible is the most important book in human history. Why is it the most important book? Because God speaks to us through this book. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, let me click on to this next one here. Where's my text? I might have... Well, I know it. <laughs> Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. God, who in various times and various ways spoke to the, our fathers by the prophets, has spoken to us in these last days by his son. Why do we need this book? Because God will speak to you by this book. So we need to be able to read it. Here's what we need to do. You and I... If you have this problem, as I have had, and many of us are finding, because we do need technology to do just even our jobs, let alone enjoyment, we need to re-establish neural pathways in our brain that support, cultivate, and um, encourage deep, sustained reading free from distractions. We need to actually work on this. Here's what we've found. We've allowed ourselves to become distracted gaining habits that get in the way of spiritual growth through loving the internet more than God. You and I need to go to war. We need to take back real estate in our brains for consequential spiritual matters, including reading and meditating and memorizing the Holy Scripture. The good news is that the very neuroplasticity that got us into this trouble... <laughs> is the very thing that can get us out of it if we prepare to train our brains to get back into the Word of God. I'm going to give you some tips here as I finish up on how you can do this and things that I think are useful to combat this sort of thing. So if you're a note taker, this is the chance for you to pull out your pen. The first thing is I would get a good book on this sort of subject. Once you've heard this sermon, you know what it's like. You probably forgot what Pastor Ta'ulu preached last week. You'll forget what I preached, even though I'm wearing red shoes. You will have forgotten what I had to say. You'll remember the shoes, you won't remember the sermon. Get a good book on this subject. I cannot more strongly recommend this. It'll cost you less than $20 on book depository. It's shipped all the way from England for free. Less than 20 bucks. You should get this book. 12 ways your phone is changing you. 
a lot of what I've talked about is to be found in this book. I've quoted Tony Ranka in my sermon. You need to reinforce this idea more than just my sermon. I want to give you some other tips in here. Go to church. Go to church. Church is one of those few occasions where social pressure is so great that you cannot just sit around surfing the internet during the sermon and worship. You go home, sit in your lounge, could be five people there, none of them are talking to each other. Come to church, it's a corporate activity. It's one of the few times, it's one of the reasons why you will actually hear from God in church, despite everything else that's been going on in the week, because suddenly you are forced to cut off the continual distractions in your life. You need to be here, ladies and gentlemen, whether I'm here or not. Every night, turn off your smartphone and place it in a room other than your bedroom before you go to sleep. You say, Adam, but I use it as an alarm clock. Go to Kmart, buy yourself a $10 alarm clock. <laughs> I haven't given you the stats here, but most stats show that most Christians, before they do their devotions in the morning, check their feed on Facebook and everything else. Start to break those habits. You know, I have my son, Nathaniel, for a while had been texting me because I get so caught on the internet that I could be up to close to midnight and beyond. So he would text me and say, good night, Dad, time to go to bed. At an hour much earlier than that. I need help. I need encouragement. Find yourself a buddy in this church that can help you if you have problems like this. If you have a problem, you should be speaking to somebody and saying, I need help because I am not getting adequate sleep and I am totally caught in this treadmill like a guinea pig. And at the end of your life, God's not going to say, my good and faithful servant, thank you for spending six hours a day on mindless, trivial activities. <laughs> Think about eternal priorities. And you, some of us actually need help. I need help. Minimize notifications and feeds on your phones or delete them entirely. Don't text and drive. You might kill somebody, including yourself. Organize one night a week in which the internet is off in your home from 6 p.m. onwards. And some of you are about to die. You've just heard that. You think, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. You will live. I lived in the 60s and 70s, ladies and gentlemen, and there was no internet. And those people were dying all the time. You know, I haven't got an internet. I've never heard of the internet. And they would just die. And I'd say, why did that person die? And the coroner would say they didn't have the internet. From 6 p.m. on... Yeah, it's great. You will survive. You might actually find the people in the house that you live with you like because you will start talking to them and communicating with them. Take that evening to play a board game. Take that evening that each of you is going to read a book. Transform it just one night a week. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it. The last thing you could do is join something like a book club where you have to read a book every month. And then you get together and you talk about it. Why not even create one here in the church or an organization which encourages reading? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness to us.